Hi guys, Scott Gardner here. This week, Back to the Bins presents another in our series of Lost episodes that were part of our format when we were still doing the rotating guest co-host spots. This particular episode, as you will clearly hear, was recorded on Guy Fawkes Day of last year, and my apologies on holding it in reserve for so long. You'll also clearly hear, I hope anyway, just how far the audio quality of our show has come in the past few months. That said, this is a fantastic episode and I know you'll enjoy it. So sit back, give it a listen, and hopefully Michael and I will both be back with you next week. Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, Scott Garner and Michael Bailey now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back to the bins. Welcome back to Back to the Bins. I'm so glad that you joined us for this episode. I am Scott Gardner, and joining me once again is Drake Payton, known as Vindicator on the ComicForums.com. How's it going, Drake? I'm pretty well. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fantastic today. Always uh, glad to have you aboard to talk more comics with me, and uh, you're going first today, right? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm going. And not that far back, it's uh, 1994. I'm doing Wolverine number 87, which uh, I think was uh, after the Phalanx convection or something. Uh, uh, He got the adamantium ripped out of him, and so he's bone-clawed Wolverine, and his healing factor's a bit dodgy. The cover art is by Adam Kerbert, I think, (laughs) and inked by Dan Green. It's written by Larry Harmer. The uh, art in the book is by Adam Kerbert and inked by three different people, Mark Farmer, Tim Townsend, and Joe Rubinstein. The original cover price was uh, $1.95, and I got it for £2.20. That's about, unfortunately, about $4, I think. Ouch! Well, yeah, but it's like, it was in one of those uh, bin, uh, I don't know what you call them, the equivalent to the dollar bins in your country. Oh, okay. So yeah, it was a back issue, but they they still have to import them, so they still have that price on top of it. So yeah, so that was a bit of a killer. But it, but I gotta admit, <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty good issue. Now this has uh, Wolverine and Gambit being targeted on the cover, right? Yeah. Okay. I think it's a beautiful cover. Yeah. I I don't know. It's just really like it stands out. I I swear there's a um a spider-man cover a bit of the same or it might be a marvel team up yes yes that was actually my first exposure to the human torch i I know exactly the issue you're talking about i couldn't tell you the number i want to say it's like 
36 or something like that. As you do your, your review, I'm going to look it up real quick. Yeah, because I know they um, homaged it in um, Secret Invasion because they had that shot where Bullseye was aiming at Spider-Man. And it was that same front cover. Yeah. Um, uh, the title is called uh, Showdown in Lowtown, which is pretty catchy. Um, it starts off, uh, Wolverine and Gambit are walking back. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're coming back from, but they're coming back from something. And uh, they pop into Lowtown, which is where Wolverine uh, uses his patch uh, secret identity type of thing. He goes past the princess bar, which is where he normally hangs out. And uh, he hears people in there, but they're standing still. So both they both of them think it's an ambush. Uh, so they count to three and charge in. And it turns out it's a pie for Logan to say welcome back. Uh, Logan meets around and sees all the people, like uh, all the people he normally meets, and introduces. There's a funny bit where he introduces uh, Gambit. He says, "Oh yeah, this is Gambit. He's one of my mates from um, uh, the X Men." And all of the girls in the bar already know him. <laughs> So yeah, that gives a hint that, well, that blatantly tells you that Gambit's like been there before and he's a ladies' man type of thing, which I thought was quite funny. He's a pimp. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is actually a picture in here with Gambit there with lots of kisses on his face with all of the girls around him, which I thought was pretty funny. But yeah, Wolverine meets all the people like O'Donnell and um, uh, his uh, Archie person, his uh, a pilot, uh, the the policeman and uh, Tiger Tiger. Uh, Tiger Tiger and uh, Logan are dancing when there's two hand assassins on top of the roof. Um, they're about they're, they're thinking about killing uh, Tiger Tiger because like she's a big um, crook in um, uh, I don't know how you say it Madripoor or something or Maridpoor I don't know. I yeah. always thought it was Madripoor, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah, we'll go with Madripoor. <laughs> and, um, and then suddenly the um, the two hand assassins get shot at. And they, well, they die and fall through the roof. Logan uh, cuts them up and everything. But he says they were already dead. Him and Gambit go rush up and onto the roof. And um, Logan sniffs about. His um, uh, mutant ability, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, animal-like senses, um, are a bit fuzzy because... Well, he was in so much pain and the adamantium was ripped out of him that he can't actually smell anything. And so he can't actually, like, tell who it is. And this brings back a memory of um, his old team, Team X. And there's a little flashback of his Team X, uh, Logan, uh, Creed, and Maverick uh, back in the day. Uh, basically, Sabretooth gets killed. or not killed, he gets shot at. Uh, Wolverine saves his life, and then Sabretooth saves Maverick and Wolverine's life by, uh, like, helping them, and they charge at the enemy. And it's, it's just a little flashback, just to show, well, just to show his old time, basically. Um, Wolverine's on the roof talking to Gambit, when suddenly he uh, gets shot at uh, by an energy weapon, and they see this, like, person, they get into a little fight, when suddenly it's revealed that it's actually Maverick, Maverick is trying to kill Wolverine, and he doesn't know why. Basically, he um, he's in his like feral sense at the moment, so he's coming at Maverick like about to kill him. But Maverick doesn't shoot him, and so Wolverine realizes this, and so just takes the gun out of his hands 
And he asked him blatantly, like, he asked him straight up, why are you trying to kill me? This is when Maverick uh, shows that he actually has the legacy virus and is dying. But he doesn't want to die, like, a painful death. He wants a warrior's death. And he talks about going to, like, Valhalla or something. He wants a Viking, like, death. And Wolverine just says, no, I can't do that to you. You're my friend, and it, like, I don't want the death of your, well, your death on my conscience, basically. So he just lets him go. And Maverick goes back and says, oh, yeah, um, uh, I'm, I'm running away from my fears, basically. You're doing the same. Because Wolverine's, like, so scared and, like, not, well, yeah, he's kind of weak at this moment because he doesn't have the adamantium or the healing factor. So he's reflected on that. And at the end, he says uh, what Maverick said is hitting home. And that's how it ends. Hmm. You know, I have this one. I'm pretty sure I've read it, and I, don't, I really don't remember it that well. I kind of remember the bar scene with him, <laughs> yeah. with him and Gambit at the beginning. But beyond that, I, I, I have only vague memories of, of the rest of that story. Yeah, I, I picked it out because uh, Maverick is probably one of my favorite characters. Well, not favorite, but like one of the favorite of like the X Men universe because I don't know, just there's something about him that's pretty cool. Now, is he the guy with like the adamantium arms or something like that? Am I thinking of the uh, right guy? That's, uh, Kane, I think. No, oh, okay. he's um, the guy. Um, he's a uh, German, and he's in like uh, sometimes he's in like this weird armor type of thing. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's some it's yellow armor, I think. And he has a he carries lots of guns and Oh, okay. I know the guy you're talking about. He he looks a little bit cable ish, right? As far as yeah. like pouches and, and straps and stuff like that all over him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, now I know the guy you're talking about. So did he eventually die of the of that virus? I <laughs> part of me I, I listened to um the Marvel podcast. Uh huh. And um on that, uh, the the mate, the guy who does it, uh, Jeff Sir, he um, his favorite character is actually Maverick, and um, on the show, uh, I think it was uh, Jason Aaron was talking about his Weapon X series that he's doing, and uh-huh. how he's bringing Maverick in it, and uh, there, there was some weirdness about it because Jeff Sir thought he was dead, and I don't know, they 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 got off. I, part of me thinks he might be dead, but I have no idea. Because I think he might have been brought back. Well, nobody really stays dead in comics anymore anyway. So. <laughs> but he does sound really cool. I, I think I've only ever read just a handful of stories with him in it. But yeah, uh, the, the character I'm – if it's the character I'm thinking of in my head, yeah, he, he actually was pretty cool. I w- always yeah. wondered if they had done more things with him. Now, was he one of the characters that we saw in, uh, in Wolverine Origins in the movie? Because, I mean, most of them didn't have any sort of – identifiable costume or anything like that. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, he was in the movie. He was, um, you know, um, the uh, Striker's uh, bodyguard, the guy who had the two guns. Oh, okay. So that was supposed to be him? Unfortunately, yeah. All right. So now now I'm starting to understand what everybody's uh, complaints were with that movie because, yeah, that, that – I liked didn't... it. I, I liked it too, but I, I don't – yeah, now that I, I see that, I can see where, where – like hardcore Wolverine fans, for example, wouldn't have cared for the movie because that is pretty far removed from that. Because I didn't, I had no idea that that guy was supposed to be a recognizable 
that's the problem in the comics. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, I'm gonna cut cut the uh, cut those guys a little more slack next time. Oh, um, what did you actually think of the Wolverine movie as a whole? Like the characters and everything. I enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't think it was spectacular or, or, or even particularly great or anything, but I mean, I got a kick out of it. I didn't feel like I'd wasted my money or anything. And, and now I feel like I was a little bit insensitive to, to like the hardcore fans that didn't care for the movie because my, my initial reaction when I started to see all the reviews, especially, you know, the reviews from, from comic fandom was that, Jesus, you know, what do you people want? You know, and now I feel kind of badly about that because I can see that, you know, somebody, like, say there was a, a, a Maverick fan out there that was like, yes, you know, Maverick's my favorite character. He's finally going to be in this movie and blah, blah, blah. And then they go and see it and he's like, God damn, this guy doesn't look a thing like exactly. Maverick. Yeah. I, now I can get that because that happens to me all the time. So, yeah, yeah I, I totally That's sympathize. That's exactly how I felt with uh, Maverick and uh, Deadpool, to be honest. Yeah, see, Deadpool was the one that I latched on to because I just, uh, I just don't understand the appeal to me he just seems like such a one note kind of character but you know again i you know i i don't identify with him i, I know that there are legions of people who do though so i, I guess i just got to be a little more sympathetic to their plight but he, he's I, just kind of a mystery to me i don't get what what's so what's so great about him i guess i, I don't know i guess it's basically he's basically wolverine but funny Right. <laughs> that makes any sense. So he's like, but then he's, I don't know, in, in his, like, his own series and everything, because they toy on how he might be crazy, and I, to be honest, I don't really like the whole breaking the fourth wall and all that. I think that gets a bit tedious sometimes. Right. But, um, actually, I have no idea why he appeals to me. He's just, he's just a badass. Hey, I mean, there's, there's, there's no, you know, there's no shame. There's no problem with that at all. Because I mean, if I was to ever run down the list of some of the like completely obscure and admittedly lame ass characters that I'm, that I seriously enjoy in comics or whatever, it would probably shock people like, really, you like that lame ass guy, but you know, we, we all like what we like and you you can't really explain it. Sometimes you just get attached to who you get attached to. I do have to admit though, I only like him when he's with someone. It's like I only like it. I the only time I actually really liked him was in his uh, Cable and Deadpool series, because there was such a contrast between those two characters. And whenever Deadpool is actually against Wolverine or against anyone in the Marvel universe, I just think that's that's where he shines, not on his own. I think that gets a bit old. One of these days, I've got to read. A Deadpool. I don't know that I've ever really read a Deadpool story. I think really? most of my ex- my exposure to that character was in that. Uh, oh, which which game was it? Ultimate Alliance, maybe one of it was one oh. of the games with the X. Maybe it was the second X Men Legends game. I forget, but one of those games had him in it, and that was really like the first time I was really aware of him at all. I mean, I knew he was in what was it, X-Force or whatever, New Mutants yeah. or X-Force or whatever. But I mean, just, you know, that book was so far off my radar that uh, that I just didn't know who he was, you know, as far as a character or anything. So one of these days I'll have to, because I'm pretty sure I have his first appearance somewhere and just have That's, never even broke it out. So 
New Mutants 98 or something, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's it's either that one or... Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it is that book. I yeah. was thinking it was one of the early issues of X-Force, but I think you're right. I think it is right at the tail end of New Mutants, but... Yeah, I have that book. I haven't read it either, to be honest. I, I got a bit... New Mutants wasn't that appealing to me. I bought this massive collection years ago when uh, when one of my buddies uh, he, that ran a comic shop, when his bu- comic shop was going out of business, I bought just an ungodly amount of comics that he was getting rid of and by default just acquired this huge collection of all these X-Men peripheral books like New Mutants and X-Force and X-Factor and Excalibur and all those books. And I've hardly ever cracked a cover on any of them. I mean, I kept them because I am interested, but it's just one of those things where it's so far down on my mm-hmm. one of these days list. But that's kind of, you know, that's what this show is all about, that, you know, one of these days they'll come up in the random number generator and I'll end up, you know, reviewing one of them or whatever and probably falling in love and then it'll be something else I've got to read, you know. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it one of these days. But uh, I might actually... I might actually fudge the numbers and dig out that uh, that Deadpool story just to to do on the show sometime, just to see what I think of the guy, you know. Yeah, so Deadpool. I, oh, sorry, you go. No, I just I, I really don't know anything about him. The um the Civil War time, the Deadpool bit. I thought that was really good and really funny. That was the start of the ongoing Deadpool that's on now. I don't know that I read that one. I can't remember. I I recommend it. It's like. It's 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 got a good twist in it. It's just it's it's just a comedy book, to be honest. This was a Civil War crossover. I uh, no, the uh, Secret Invasion. Oh, show. Secret Invasion. Okay, I was gonna say because I thought I had read all the Civil War crossovers, and but I I don't know that's all that's starting to get fuzzy in my head too. There were so many of them. It it really just literally burned me right out on Marvel for a while. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I'm going to go ahead and jump into what I brought today, and uh, I'm really excited to talk about this one. This is going back to May 1981. This is World's Finest, number 268. Really nice cover on it by Dick Giordano, and it's really a wacky cover. It's got... All the guest stars of the book are gathered around the title logo, and we've got Green Arrow. Um, It says Shazam. It's actually Captain Marvel, but it says Shazam because they cannot use the name Captain Marvel on the cover, which is still one of the stupidest things ever in my opinion, but they they legally cannot. Um, Hawkman and Red Tornado. And then in the main part of the cover, it has... Superman and Batman are stuck inside these coins and this giant, very like Sargon, Sargon the Sorcerer looking dude is juggling the coins in his, in his hand. And it says Superman and Batman challenge the 12 coins of power uh, drawn by Dick Giordano. It's just a really goofy looking cover, but I love goofy covers. So it's kind of cool. Now it does have all these other features in it. And uh, I did not read any of the other features because the reason I am buying 
certain back issues of World's Finest is simply for one feature. This was back in the days when these were dollar comics. That was the original uh, cost on this one was $1. These were the the huge oversized dollar comics experiment that DC had going on for a while. So it was an anthology book with all these different stories in it, these different characters. And the story that I'm trying to collect all the, all the parts of and all the appearances of is of course the captain Marvel sequence of it. So that's the, the part that I bought this for. That's the part that I'm going to review this time around. And so the captain Marvel also titled Shazam. So many people confuse this character and call him Shazam because that's the title you see everywhere that he appears. Um, but it's actually captain Marvel. This one is written by E Nelson Bridwell, an absolute legend in comics and penciled by the late, great Don Newton, who I absolutely adore Don Newton's art. I miss him terribly. I wish that he had uh, lived longer and produced more stuff, but uh, really fantastic art by this guy. With inks by Steve Mitchell. And the title of this story is The Origin of Captain Marvel Jr. And that's just so awesome to me. I mean, it was a complete coincidence that this was the issue that came up you know, on the on the random number generator that I use to pick these back issues to review because I am a huge Captain Marvel Jr. fan. So this is really cool that this is actually a Captain Marvel Jr.-centric story. And we start out the story with Freddie Freeman, who is Captain Marvel Jr.'s alter ego. He's having a nightmare in which this giant tidal wave with a face is taunting him and telling him that, you know, the sea is coming to claim him, that, you know, he's escaped for long enough, but he's not going to be able to elude the sea forever. And Freddy's in the midst of this nightmare when he hollers out Captain Marvel, which, of course, is his magic word. He does not say Shazam to become Captain Marvel Jr. He says Captain Marvel, which, of course, makes him the only comics character I know of that can actually not say his own name without reverting to his secret identity. So he says that while he's sleeping, and immediately the the lightning comes down, transforms him into Captain Marvel Jr. He wakes out of his nightmare and is basically having his, holy shit, what a nightmare moment. So he calls up his buddy, Billy Batson, who is, of course, Captain Marvel. And Billy's like, you know, sure, I'll be right there. You know, Billy's basically telling, or uh, Freddie's basically telling him, you know, I really need a friend right now. I need somebody I can talk to. So Billy... While he's still on the phone, says his magic word, calls down the lightning and summons Captain Marvel. And I just imagine that this like completely fries his phone. I just <laughs> I think if you're holding a phone when lightning strikes, and my mother always told me that was not a good thing. So I, was, I always thought that was funny and got a you know I imagine that the, like burned the the transceiver and everything out of his phone. But anyway, there's a great panel. Really beautiful Don Newton panel of Captain Marvel lifting off into the sky. And he flies to Freddie Freeman's apartment, turns back into Billy, and they have this long conversation where it seems, by the way the story is related, that this is the first time that Freddie has really related to Billy the full story of his childhood and how you know his, he'd had a mother and father and actually a younger brother. And they are, you know, in flashback, they're shown, you know, the mother and father and the two boys are standing on the pier as his father goes out to sea. And a hurricane comes in and his father is never heard from again. And as his mother stands at the dock waiting for the for the father to return, she is also swept out to sea and is killed. 
and his brother goes to live with one of their grandfathers and Freddy goes to live with the other one. So we cut to a, a while later in, a, in another flashback where Freddy is fishing with his grandfather when suddenly they see a man literally fall out of the sky and into the water. So they go rowing over thinking that, you know, this is somebody they need to, to, to save, to rescue. And they pull the body out of the water and immediately the guy stands up and belts the old man, the grandfather, and kills him. And it turns out that this is none other than dun 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 Captain Nazi, one of my favorite comic book villains. This guy is just such a scumbag, but he's awesome. He's like he's like you know Captain Marvel, you know Nazied, and it's just really cool. So he, uh, you know, he's just a young you know Freddy's just a young kid, but he is trying to uh, get revenge on Captain Nazi having just killed his grandfather. So he swings at him with an oar. And Captain Nazi takes the oar and belts him and knocks him out into the water. And this is at the point where Captain Marvel found Freddy floating in the water and took him to a hospital to try to save his life. But, you know, they basically told him at the hospital there was nothing they could do for Freddy that he was going to die. So Billy took Freddy to the wizard, Shazam, and basically said, you know, I need your help. I want to save this this kid's life. And the wizard tells him, really, the only thing that you can do at this point, if you choose to, is you can pass on a portion of your powers to this boy to try to save him. And he says, speak my name. And Billy says, Shazam, and becomes Captain Marvel. At which point, Freddie Freeman wakes up and sees his hero, Captain Marvel, standing over him. And he says, why, why, it's Captain Marvel. And when he says the words, Captain Marvel... Boom, the lightning comes down and he becomes Captain Marvel Jr. And that's basically his origin story. And we come back to the present where Billy and Freddie are talking about this and, and comparing notes about the whole thing. And that uh, Billy is talking about the fact that years later, his, his other brother, or his brother rather, and his other grandfather were eventually sunk by a German U-boat. And there's a great moment where I was thinking about this thinking, German U-boat, what in the hell year is this supposed to be taking place in? And then it actually tells you that in this continuity, that Billy and Freddy are actually from the original continuity of Captain Marvel, you know, back in the, in the 40s. Yet this story does take place in the 80s, and it's explained that Dr. Savannah had somehow trapped them in... He calls it suspendium. So I don't know if that's like a gas or another dimension or what, but they were basically suspended for all these years. So they are actually guys out of time, sort of Captain America style. You know, they're from the 40s, yet, you know, they're still young kids in the modern age because of whatever Dr. Savannah had done to them. I thought that was really an interesting take on this. I, I wasn't aware of that, actually. And uh, at the end of the story, it's kind of a cliffhanger with uh, with Freddie wondering you know, all of my, all of the rest of my family is dead and they were all claimed by the sea, you know, is my nightmare trying to give me a premonition that the sea is finally coming for me as well. And I'm going to be a victim to it as well. And it's really short. I mean, it's only a couple of pages, but I loved this because, you know, it, it features my favorite character of the Marvel family 
and you know the origin story plus it has captain nazi i mean just everything i love best about you know captain marvel and and his whole family of characters and drawn by don newton who to me is just one of those great unsung heroes of comic art and of all the incarnations that have been out there of captain marvel in comics man nobody nobody touches don newton for for his awesomeness with Captain Marvel. I don't think Captain Marvel ever ever looked better than when he was drawn by Newton. So I'm really glad I got this. You know, I, I probably won't ever read the other stories that are in here, but man, you know, the, the couple of pages of Captain Marvel I got are, you know, make it totally worth whatever it was I paid for this book. Huh. I'm not a really big DC fan, so I don't really know much about Captain Marvel, only the bit um oh what's that show called? No, what's not the show? That movie you um, suggested me. Oh, uh, uh, Superman, Batman, Public Enemy. Yeah, that's it. I only know him from that and uh, a few of the Justice League uh, TV episode type of things. Well, and as, that's the only time. As you Sorry. can imagine, that was my that was my geek out moment of Public Enemy when when Captain Marvel showed up and he and Superman had their big tussle because I actually remembered bits and pieces of that comic book storyline that public enemy is adapted from. And I remembered that captain Marvel was in it. And I, through the whole thing of watching that movie, I kept thinking, no, it's, it's too much to hope for that. Captain Marvel is going to pop up into this. It just won't happen. They don't have enough time to tackle it. And, and, you know, there's always rights issues trying to put captain Marvel into something. He won't be in it. He won't be in it. And then when he's in it, I was just, I was up on the couch jumping up and down. I was like, holy shit, it's Captain Marvel. Oh, this is awesome. So I was really freaking out, man. I loved it. Because, you know, I don't know what my big deal with Captain Marvel is because most every comic other than this world's finest stuff that he ever appeared in isn't usually all that fantastic. You know, I, I think he's an awesome character with great potential that just doesn't get fully utilized. But there's something about him that I just love. You know, a lot of it owes back to the the Shazam Saturday morning show from when I was a kid. I mean, I grew up on that and loved it. So I'm sure that's a lot of the influence. But yeah, man, I wish somebody would take this character and really run with it and really make him as awesome as he could be. Because, you know, back in the day, he was bigger than Superman for a while. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he outsold him for for a bit and was more popular and, and everything. I mean, he was a big freaking deal for a, you know, for a short time there back in when, whenever that was forties or fifties and, uh, and has never really fully recaptured any of that, that fame or, or popularity. But I, I still think he's got the potential if, if he could just be handled properly. Hmm. I don't know. I really want to jump. Well, I don't know. Part of me wants to jump onto DC, but then part of me, doesn't if that makes any sense oh absolutely absolutely believe me i i I totally feel you on that as much as it pains me to tell you this i i don't encourage anybody to get into dc right now other than a, a, a couple of books because i just don't think they're headed in a good direction but, you know, I, I say that, but then ironically, my number two book right now, you know, as far as my new books that I'm buying, the the number two book on my stack every month that I, I have to read when an issue comes out is Jonah Hex. And that, you know, that's a DC book, but 
that's you know that's fantastic. That's a great read, but it's not you know it's not DC superheroes. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I think their DC superhero stuff that's coming out right now. I, I don't know, man. It's leaving me in the lurch. It's it's really leaving me cold. You still um, uh, dropped Superman then? Oh yeah. It's it just makes me sad because I love Superman so much. I mean he he was. You know, he and, and Star Wars were my gateways into to comics. And, you know, this is the first time in my life I haven't been buying and reading Superman. And it just oh, it breaks my heart. But I just cannot read it. It's just such utter shit to me. I, I just, you know, I, I, I just no longer have the money or the wherewithal to support something that I'm just not 100% behind. Yeah, um... X Men was my gateway into comics. The actual X Men films was oh cool into comics. So um, as soon as I picked up the comics, I realized they were nothing like the films. I was like, oh okay, um, this could work. And I read them, and I'm actually reading them through from uh, one onto um, where it is now. And so I read up to 264, <laughs> I think, and um, I've read from. I think it's 500, no, not five, 400, so, but that gap between, I kind of don't want to read, <laughs> it's just really bad. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I want to see, like, the first appearance of Gambit and um, the Jubilee and, like, Forge and all that, like, well, not, not the first, but that team put together, and, like, um, the actual X, adjective, ad, uh, adjective, adjective X, man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> offshoot, and I want to read that. Like Excalibur and uh, X Force and X Factor after it's uh, the original team, I really don't want to read. So I'm just gonna. Part of me wants to skip it out, but it's like I'm gonna miss a huge chunk of continuity. So if I don't know if you're gonna, but if you ever do get on Superman again, part of me thinks you might have to go back and actually read those issues. Yeah, I probably will. I swear I hear fireworks in the background. Yeah, it's about it's about ten o'clock here, so fireworks are going off and everything. Is that because of Guy Fox Day? Yeah. Oh, cool. That's very cool. I wanted to to dress up as V this year. I don't know if you've ever read V for Vendetta or seen the yeah, movie. Yeah, I've seen the movie, and uh, one of my friends uh, has read the book and recommended it. Yeah, yeah I, I highly recommend it because the the movie is okay. They they took a lot of liberties with the source material, but I love the, you know because everybody. When you talk to people about Alan Moore, they always mention Watchmen. I'm not much of a Watchmen fan. To me, I read that book. V for Vendetta is so much better, I think. But that's that's just me. But, I, I actually have to admit, I don't like the Watchmen book. I know it's quite controversial, but no, hey, I, I got your back, man. Because you know, I won't say I don't like it, but I don't see what the big fucking no, deal is. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just really not all it's cracked up to, in my opinion, anyway. But I'm so outnumbered on that opinion; it's not even funny. But, uh, but I, but I love the film. That's the funny thing. I love the ending of the film. I, I glad they cut out the giant squid. And oh whatnot. yeah, me too. I, I dug the movie. I thought the movie was okay. I thought it was good. What do you think about the soundtrack for the movie, though? I've only listened to it a couple times. I actually need to dig it back out because I like... Um, what's the guy's name? Tyler Bates. I like him a lot, and I really just haven't listened to it that much, but I need to listen to it more because I really like him. His soundtrack to um, the the remake of Dawn of the Dead is great. I really, really like that soundtrack. So, Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll have to throw uh, Watchmen back on my... On my uh, 
MP3 player today and give that a listen to because I really did like the soundtrack. I'm trying to think. Oh, it was about a Guy Fox. I was at um, I don't know if you guys have a, a store over there called Hot Topic or not. Uh, I've heard about it, but I don't know if we have one in England. But uh, they, I was out at one of their stores just before Halloween, and they actually had Guy Fox masks that looked just like V's mask. And I almost bought it, but it was just a little bit too expensive. But now I wish I'd bought it and, and gone as V because I ended up not dressing up at all just because I could never find anything that really – that was the only thing I saw that actually was like, oh, yeah, I'd love to be that. You know, Everything else was like, nah, that's okay, I guess. You know, But now I wish I'd bought it. I just don't know where I would find that like pilgrim-looking hat that he wears. I have no idea where you'd find something like that because the rest I of his outfit looks very – I don't know. It's What is it? Puritan or whatever, you know, like like a pilgrim. Yeah, quite um, uh, Amish or Amish. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I don't know where in the world I would find something like that. So that that was the biggest reason beyond the price of the mask that I, I didn't buy it. But I still kind of wish I had, just because I think he's cool. How was your Halloween anyway, then? Eh, you know, after that Halloween, I don't know if you heard the Halloween special that yeah. we put out or not, but after after releasing that and, and walking down memory lane about all that, and then we went out, you know, just in the neighborhood, it was it was like a big letdown. But I, I still had fun, you know. I took the boys out, and Scotty was old enough this year that for the first time he, he just kind of struck off on his own, him, him and a friend of his from school. You know, I, I just kind of let them run, and they went off and did their own thing. And so I took Logan, and... uh Man, I, you know, I could really tell this year that the economy has really hit people hard because I've always been one of those people that, that looked at other parents that like drove their kids around from door to door. Is like, I was like, you lazy fuck, you know, get out and walk. But this year, I actually wish that we had because we walked our whole subdivision, our whole neighborhood. And God damn, I was wore out by the end of it. And... I mean, there were really not many houses at all giving out candy. I mean, it was like every fifth or sixth house if you were lucky. Whereas in years past, you know, there were really only a couple houses that weren't giving it out. And it was usually like they were out of town or they were like the crotchety old bastard that never said hi to people or whatever. But this year, people that in other years, I had seen them like deck out the lawn with like, you know, decorations and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. They they didn't even have the lights on. They weren't even giving out candy. So it was like, wow, you know, this, this economy thing really sucks. And we, we usually, because we're kind of way at the back of the subdivision, we don't usually get, but a, a handful of trick or treaters. So we usually only buy a couple of bags of candy and, and, you know, we ended up eating most of it ourselves. Well, this year, we ran out of candy in like an hour and a half and I felt really bad. I was like, shit, you know, but who knew? But I think what it was looking back on it is because so few of the places at the front of the neighborhood were giving out candy that the kids were coming back further into the neighborhood this year and actually making it to our door. And so we had just so many more trick or treaters than we were expecting to have. But so I felt bad as far as what we gave out or whatever, but, uh, but we, we did good. You know, he, he got a lot of candy and, and that sort of thing, and they, they had fun. But uh, what was really cool is yesterday, just before I was headed to bed, I, I went into the living room to get a get a drink and go lay down, read some comics, and fall asleep. And I just happened to spot this little envelope sitting on the table with my name on it. So I had mail. And of course, I get mail. Nobody ever bothers to fucking tell me that I got mail. 
<laughs> so I get mail and I open it up and it's from Biblio Mike on the forum. And he had sent me two of the comics that he gave out as, as uh, Halloween trick or treats this year. And it was the star Wars issue. And another one, I can't remember what it was. It had like Casper and somebody else on the cover. And I just thought that was awesome. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Because I, I knew that he had bought them. And I, I thought I had said something on the forum about, gee, you know, now I really wish I'd bought these. I just didn't, you know, because I, I saw them when they were solicited and didn't know what they were. I thought it was, because it, it was like, it was kind of expensive. It was, I want to say it was like 6 or $7. And I remember seeing the solicit and thinking, wow, that's really expensive. But I thought it was like a Halloween one-shot or something like that. Well, what it was, was it was for a pack of, I don't know, like 50 or 100 mini-comics that you could give out as as candy or whatever at, at Halloween time is what it actually was. And when he told me that, then I felt bad. I was like, oh, damn, I wish I'd bought that because I'd have kept one for myself and given the rest out, you know, to the kids. And sure enough, he, he sent me one and I was just like, oh, that is so totally awesome. I mean, that was really cool because, you know, that that's going to be quite the little collector's item, I think, you know, and I, I go out of my way to try to collect anything Star Wars comic books, you know, because there's really not that many of them. It's kind of easy to collect them all, so. But that that kind of made up for for kind of a lackluster Halloween. <laughs> yeah, we just came back that night and just ended up watching a movie, and that was about all all we did for Halloween, really. It still sounds fun. It was pretty neat. Yeah, well, actually, I felt really good because one of the kids that came to the door told us that we had the the best uh, the best house for Halloween, which. I, you know, as far as decorations go, I was like, really? But then I got to think of what he was probably talking about was uh, every year I run a, a line out under the porch and I set up some, some computer speakers and I have all of the audio files from the Haunted Mansion attraction at, at Disney World and Disneyland. And I go through those files and pick out all the best like spooky noises and spooky music and stuff. And I just put them on a, on a random playlist and play that outside. So when you come to the door, you know, it'll be playing like spooky, you know, like the music I was playing in that Halloween special kind of thing, you know, with yeah. the screams and stuff. And the kids love it, you know, so that this kid was like, oh, that's really cool. So I'm, I'm sure he was talking more about that than the decorations because, I mean, the decorations weren't much. We just had like a little like a little styrofoam cemetery out in the front yard kind of thing. But it, it was fun. I love I love Halloween. I've always wanted to do one of those big, fancy Halloween setups, you know? Yeah. Well, um, my Halloween, I went uh, to the comic book signing I was talking about uh-huh. uh, in the last episode, actually. <laughs> and um, uh, a comic actually came out on Halloween. Is it all right if I pimp it out? Sure. Yeah, it's, this, um, uh, it's the writer, David Hine. Uh, he wrote, he's, um, it's this new comic with the most beautiful art I've ever seen. Actually, it's, um, it's a computerized art. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's by, uh, Roy Allen Martinez, who, um, to be honest, I don't really like his art, but in this, it's so different. It's about zombies and vampires and it's how like, and it's saying that they've been around for ages and how the U S government have tried to keep it a secret. And it's just, it's just really good. There, um, he gave away free um, preview like issues type of things. 
Mm-hmm. So like you just like flick through and it was like a glimpse of what um the first issue is and it's like it's just really really good. What what is and the I, name of it again? F Z F no F V Z A Federal Vampire and Zombie Agency. <laughs> I'll have to so check that sounds, out. That actually sounds like something I'd get a kick out of. It sounds stupid, but as soon as you open the page, it's proper serious stuff. It's basically Walking Dead. But more, more gritty and more like probably more dark, which is weird because Walking Dead is really <laughs> yeah. dark. I mean, at, at one bit, it's saying like the whole the whole Nazi concentration camp was actually first made for all the zombies. That it was basically a concentration camp full of zombies, and so oh, they just wow. burnt type of thing, and they mixed them up with you. Ju- oh, it just gets really dark. <laughs> but yeah. I really recommend it. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Just, just it's because um I met David Hyde and he's like, um he wrote some X Men. Uh, he wrote uh you wrote you read Civil War, right? Mm-hmm. All the, the crossovers. Did you read um Civil War X Men? I'm pretty sure I did. I'm trying to remember. When they they were like trying to lay siege to a bunker or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah. It, it, it really wasn't that good. It was pretty awful. And um <laughs> I asked I asked him about it and he was like, yeah. I know it's the worst thing I've ever written. It was real <laughs> mandated. He was like, "Just, just don't talk to me about X Men type of thing." I was like, "Ah, oh, you're actually a great guy. I, I'm sorry I mocked your work type of thing." And yeah, and then he showed me some of the other stuff he did. Like he did um, the Son of M uh, bit of the um, Decimation uh, after House of M uh, series miniseries, and that was really good. And that's with the same artist. So and then he showed me this and I was just like, okay, wow, you're actually a really good writer and this artist is actually really amazing, and I think I found my new comic to love basically. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. check it out. I have to check that out just on your recommendation because it, it does sound like something I might be interested in. Oh, I hope other people find it good, or I'm I'm gonna sound like such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the 2 True Freak section of the comicforums.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.libsyn.com and is a registered trademark of Demonzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com slash league, and also the Comics Podcast Network which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.